Okay. Hello, everybody. Let's see. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sports Scope. It looks like I'm live on all links. Periscope, Twitter, uh, podcast, Facebook, everything. I just got done watching. I know we're still in the fourth quarter on the uh, Spurs and New Orleans Pelican game. Zion Williamson makes his uh, final debut, his uh, actual debut in the regular season of the NBA today on this 22nd day of January 2020. Uh, A lot of stuff in the news tonight. Eli Manning, uh, Hall of Famer, in my opinion, retired today. Uh, There's a rest warrant for Antonio Brown. And uh, Jay Gruden it will be named the offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll say why I think Jay Gruden's getting a bad name here in just a little bit. But let's talk about uh, Zion Williamson. It looks like he's got about uh, less than a half dozen points, rebounds. Not many minutes. Uh, he, uh, My first early observation of him like Mark Jackson, tried to politely put in his analysis, but I can put it a little bit more harsh. He looked like he was really out of shape. And uh, in his debut tonight, and and, and, uh, it looks like Jeff Van Gundy, they were talking about some stats on him uh, during the offseason. Some, some, uh, um, I don't know. I don't know if you want to call it stash, just a little bit of stories about him saying that he gained eight pounds of muscle in one week and all that stuff. But um, I was one of the first people in March. I've got this recording and it's in my archives here at Sportscope. You guys can look at it. They said I would take this was back in March of last year, back when Zion was playing for Duke, jumping out of his shoes. Uh, highly rated games uh, in the North Carolina game, saying I would still draft this guy out of Murray State, John Moran over him. So far, I look to be proven right. Uh, I also have a recording of today's Colin Coward show where he calls, he, I don't think he means to do this, but he calls Zion Williamson overrated. And I'll play those, I'll play those sound bites here in just a second. But, uh, you know, Jeff Van Gundy says John Morant is the rookie of the year in his uh, in his uh, assessment. You know, 17.97 assists, three rebounds for John Morant. And right now Memphis, and even though they lost tonight, they currently hold the eighth seed in the West. But listen to my take on John Morant and Zion Williamson back in – March of last year. Listen up, everybody. 22 points in 18 minutes. Yeah, I don't know. Did he have that tonight? I don't know. I didn't see that. That must have been last year. Listen up. Last I checked, you only had about five. I'm just being honest with you. As of today, March 19th, 2019, I want to predict that John Moran is going to be a bigger star than Zion Williamson in the NBA. John Moran is going to be a bigger star than
than Zion Williamson in the NBA. Not to say that Zion Williamson will be a bust. My assessment for that was, and I'll go on and I'm going to play the rest of that here in just a minute, is that the NBA typically wants to, particularly with general managers, and and and, and Colin Cower goes on about this too, with the owners seeing these players with these big uh, programs, Duke, North Carolina, stuff like that, and the bigger player, how they want to uh, take the bigger player over the smaller player, even though your scouts say the smaller player may be a better player. Okay, listen to this. Take you all back, trip down memory lane. 1983, there was a great player. 1984, excuse me. There was a great player at the University of Houston, big man named Akeem Olajuwon. He was the number one pick that year. There was another big man. His name was Sam Bowie. He played for Kentucky. Then, like now, a traditional powerhouse school. Sam Bowie was a bust. He went to Portland. The third pick, the Chicago Bulls, drafted Michael Jordan. Traditionally, listen to this, guys. March of last year. Executives will go for the big man. Since 1996, these are the only guards that were drafted number one overall. Markel Foltz, 2017. Kyrie Irving, 2011. John Wall, 2010. Derrick Rose, 2008. And don't let me forget 1996, Allen Iverson, number one pick. Okay. Uh, let's go. Let's let's go back just nine years. Okay? Listen to this, everybody. Let's talk about Steph Curry. Does anybody know who the number one pick was in two thousand nine? Uh, I'll give you a little heads up. There were two great players drafted, not number one in two thousand nine. One's name was James Harden. The other name was Steph Curry. James Harden was a three-pick basketball school, Arizona State. The seventh pick from Davidson was Steph Curry. The number one pick that year was Blake Griffin. See, Blake Griffin um, drafted over Steph Curry and James Harden. So uh, who's the better player, Blake Griffin or James Harden? James Harden, multiple MVP winner, uh, Steph Curry, what has he got? Three championships right now. So you see my point here. Blake Griffin, flashy, big dunk guy, kind of like Zion Williamson. Someone just said, and I'm sorry, I, I didn't get a chance to talk. I want to play that long soundbite, everybody. Zion could be a, uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's fine, man. I, I understand that. To me, he could be another Charles Barkley. And Barkley was a great player. Remember, Barkley got uh, he got the Phoenix Suns to the finals. Went very far in the finals. Uh, he he's actually four inches shorter than Zion Williamson. Barkley played a lot bigger than what he was. But I, I just think this John Morant, 
coming out of Murray State. He's a guard. Uh, he, he just didn't have that appeal factor. Listen to what Colin Cowherd said today. He called Zion Williamson without calling him overrated, called him overrated. Just because I'm insinuating that he's overrated doesn't mean that I think he's going to be a bust. Two different points I'm trying to make here. But it's just perception. And he's injury prone. Right. This is his first game back. Uh, he's been injured twice. He's not even been out of college yet. His weight, some people say it is an issue. Others say it's not an issue. It's about his torque. It's about his bone structure. Uh, you see, If you guys see him tonight, his weight did look like it was an issue. He's going to have to lighten up just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, Cowherd also trashed LSU. I was right about that as well. Uh, Talkers Magazine still got him rated as a top guy. And so uh, has him rated as a top sports talk radio personality. I'm, I'm better. I, I, just need to, I just need to get that $6 million. Listen to what he said today. This was today because a lot of people were talking about Zion Williams' debut. Check this out. A bold statement to say John Morant is better than Zion Williamson. John Morant is a great Listen talent. up, guys. Zion's a great talent and a phenom. Zion made basketball and business sense, and you had to draft Zion Williamson. 50% of the scouts I talk to, and I've been covering this league for a long time and have a lot of contacts, 50% preferred John Morant over Zion. Okay, 50% of gender managers in the NBA preferred John Morant over Zion Williamson. Did you guys hear this last year in March of the pre-draft, um, the pre-lottery uh, breakdowns through ESPN or Fox or any of these high-dollar outlets? Absolutely not. It's all about marketing, the splash plays, the dunk plays. And listen to him. This is Colin Coward's show today. He goes on to about it and, and talks about it. Well, I'm just saying how people have not gave Jean Morant a chance and they wanted to put Zion in the Hall of Fame before he even took a uh, stepped out on the basketball court. He very well may be the better player. But I'm just trying to make a point how height, program, and all that can, can propel a player before he's ever done anything. Listen up. It was split. People liked it. But the NBA's not flexing in a lot of John Morant games, are they? No, they're not really flexing in a lot of John Morant games. Uh, they flexed in one, and uh, that was the one that thought Zion was going to play it. Uh, Zion Williams. Okay. The NBA is not flexing in a lot of John Morant games. The only one that they're going to flex in is the one with Zion. What is the definition of overrated? Yeah, they could be mega stars, but what's the definition of overrated? It is the perception of a player being more than what he is. And that's what I'm saying. He is slightly overrated. The perception of Zion Williamson is more, it's more of a gimmick. Yes, it's, it's, it's more hype and a gimmick. The guy jumps out of his shoes. He has the highest rated game against North Carolina in, uh, when they play Duke. He plays bigger than his size. He looks like Shaquille O'Neal. But you think that he's like the next LeBron or somebody, the way people have been talking about him. I'm sure he's a nice guy. It's nothing personal. But I just wanted to show you how 
Um, Colin Coward did not use the word overrated. I, I don't think he caught what he was saying today. Listen to the end of his assessment. And someone mentioned Joe Burrows. This guy's been so off. I don't know. Colin, listen to this about uh, um, Next Prophet. Listen to what he says about Joe Burrows when he's talking about Zion. Is a phenom. Um, and the other thing is there is a risk with Zion. People knew the risk. I talked to two general managers, two very, very good NBA GMs, guys that get to conference finals and finals. They both were used the exact same word torque. that scared them to death about Zion, and the word is torque. They both said he plays with way too much torque. I don't know if those ligaments and those knees can handle it. And they both said, but you got to draft him number one. Every one of these GMs has an owner. So a GM can say all he wants. What does the owner want? You draft Zion. See? There are times See? that it makes sense for the owner to come down. Joe Burrow is a great example. Listen to this. I don't think Joe Burrow is as talented as Justin Herbert. I don't think he's nearly as good as Tua. I don't think he's as good as Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. I don't think he has the skills of Josh Allen. I don't think he's that big, that strong, and that athletic. He ain't Lamar. He's not Mahomes. But Cincinnati probably has to take him. He's an Ohio kid, 15-0. If you take Justin Herbert and he's so-so, everybody gets fired. If you take Burrow and he's so-so, the owner's happy. You take him. Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James back in, what is it, 2003. Carmelo Anthony went to college and single-handedly won a national title. Carmelo Anthony was a more refined offensive player. I can... Okay, I guess Collins kind of lost some credibility next profit when he says that uh, he thinks Justin Herbert's better than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has a 70-plus complete percentage with the best season of all time in college football history. Uh, my, my early comparison was he has the arm strength and the running ability of a Josh Allen except he has about a 20% higher completion percentage. And he also was trending north for the last two years. He was not a one-hit wonder. He was getting really, he was getting good in 18, and then 19, he exploded. You want your quarterbacks to propel higher each year as it goes along. I don't know what Colin Coward's smoking here, but basically... He called uh, uh, Zion Williamson overrated, and he didn't mean to. And then he turned around and threw Joe Burrows under the bus over a guy like Justin Herbert, a guy who may not even make it. I don't know what this guy's thinking, but I'll tell you what. My point is Zion Williamson is overweight, and he's going to have to get his weight down. Uh, John Morant is the rookie of the year. Um, I don't know about Breeze having the strongest arm, uh, maybe back in the day, but my point is that I was right spot on. John Morant's going to be as of right now. Now what Williamson should do, he's going to have to, he's going to have to thin down, uh, ease himself back into it listen to his trainers, and maybe he can be at Barkley. Maybe they could win a championship. You know what my take was uh, from these games more 
than watching tonight's Spurs game uh, over the um, over the Zion Williamson stuff with the Pelicans was look how good these former Lakers who were mocked and known as castoffs. If you listen to some of the national media, uh, media Brandon Ingram, um, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, all those guys look really uh, that look smooth today. I don't know. It looked like uh, the Spurs were up by ten late in this game, but it just looked. Uh, I look. I was really impressed with the play of Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, uh, the point guard there. I forgot his name. Now he wasn't from the Lakers. Josh Hart, though. Yeah, Ingram. Yeah, those guys look really fantastic there. I think Ball's going to fit in pretty well. They just don't need to pressure this guy to be this big megastar. He's still young, not calling him a bust. This saying so far, it looks like John Morant's the better player. John Morant uh, is an undersized player, and he's playing in a market like Memphis. If John Morant played for the Lakers, if he played with the Knicks, he would get twice as much publicity as he would be uh, as a guy like John Morant. Here's the thing. Uh, well, I won't call him a bust. It's really early to call him that. But, uh, yeah, these guys are very young. You know, he's only 19. Uh, he, can, he can actually get taller at this point. Uh, John Morant, I would have drafted him over the guy. I think John Morant is very skillful. A lot of people compare him to an Iverson and a Westbrook, except he has a higher completion percentage, uh, shoots the ball much better, uh, got a lot of Chris Paul in him. Um, the guy who's playing with the Nets, I can't remember his name now, a Kyrie, got a, got a finish like Kyrie Irving. A lot of good comparisons for Jean Morant in the modern-day NBA where there's less hand-checking and all that stuff. So, you know, John Morant is a guy who is um, really living up to his billing. This is not more of an indictment on Zion Williamson. It's more of a appreciation for a guy like uh, John Morant, who just kind of happens to flow under the radar with a player that looks more explosive. Right now, he's a guy that needs to take his time, Zion Williamson, get the weight down, and not try to be – uh, uh, next profit I'm picking right now, I'm picking Kansas City in a close one. I know it's a three-point edge there. But, uh, guys, I've got to move on to other news. Uh, I will give you a quick take on my Super Bowl. Uh, I, I do think that Kansas City, there's too many ways they could beat this defense. They can run the ball. They have multiple players that can beat that defense, including – Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, you got the best uh, of the two uh, tight ends, even though I think the second best tight ends on the other side, George Kittle. San Francisco does have a good front seven. San Francisco has struggled with mobile quarterbacks, guys. Remember that. Uh, Kyler Murray, twice they uh, – Russell Wilson, they struggle with those players. This guy, a much just as mobile quarterback. We saw the big run he did. Uh, 50 yards rushing against Tennessee and the touchdown there in uh, Patrick Mahomes. So definitely like Kansas City over um, over San Francisco, but you never know. Clock management issues with Andy Reid. Uh, I can see it going the other way with turnovers and stuff. Opportunistic defense from San Francisco 
But listen, everybody, I wanted to read about this other uh, news story tonight. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, he's the face of the league if, if for, as much as, as far as I'm concerned, and that is uh, uh, Patrick, um, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, okay, there's a rest warrant out for Antonio Brown. I don't know if anybody noticed this. Uh, this was as of 7 o'clock Central Time this evening, 8 o'clock Eastern. Hollywood Police Department, ESPN is reporting they have uh, issued a arrest warrant for Antonio Brown following the allegations uh, that he and his trainer attacked a moving truck driver near Brown's home in Florida. Apparently, he was getting some uh, stuff delivered from his, uh, his California residence, and uh, he, he got jammed up, and he assaulted this guy, and he threw a rock at the moving truck, and this person had called the police and everything. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I watched the Netflix special on Aaron Hernandez, and uh, the there was some indication that part of Hernandez's behavior, that erratic behavior, was from he. Uh, they, you know, they analyzed his brain. He had CTE. Now, I talked to a friend of mine at work about this. I'm tying all this in. Just hear me out. I talked to a friend of mine at work about the uh, Aaron Hernandez CTE issue, and she said, "My friend Odette, who's my, uh, on Facebook, watches the program." She said that uh, she had read a person had erratic behavior and unusual behavior, uh, got their head examined, and found out that they had a, that that person had a tumor in their brain causing uh, erratic behavior and, and all that stuff. And they had the tumor removed and, and that changed that. So there could be a possibility. Uh, but like I said, I'm not a doctor or anything. That could be the issue with Tony Brown. Remember last week you had the issue with the with the uh, with the baby's mama. The police were there, and he put that on video. We know what he got into last summer uh, with the Raiders, and then he had the the issue with with the with the uh, New England Patriots. I mean, it's just one week after another that uh, Tony Brown, and also it says. That Brown uh, assaulted uh, another argument. The guy comes back. Brown uh, agrees to pay the $4,000 moving fee. So the guy comes back. Uh, but Brown also threw a rock and dented the truck. He agreed to pay for the uh, the damage he did to the moving truck. But they only wanted to pay the moving fee. So Brown assaulted him. And Holt, his trainer, attempted to grab his keys from the ignition to open the truck and, and get Brown's belongings, causing cuts and scratches to the driver. Brown's home is located in the gated community in Hollywood, Florida. His neighbors, multiple neighbors, told ESPN they are fed up with the antics coming from the home, including multiple police encounters with Antonio Brown. So, you know, like I said, don't claim to be a doctor or anything like that. Of course, last week, you know, um, recording here. Last week, Drew Rosenhaus fired Antonio Brown. And, uh, you know, it's just between that, this incident, and everything else, Aaron Hernandez, yeah, there could be some kind of CTE issue. And, and you know what? Here's my thing. 
And I said this about Aaron Hernandez, too. They also talked about Aaron Hernandez, the allegation of him being gay, and they interviewed a guy that supposedly was gay with uh, Hernandez in high school. It's a pretty good documentary, guys. If you get a chance, watch it. It's on Netflix. But it, it kind of indicates that he doesn't take accountability. And that's the same thing with Antonio Brown. I have empathy for Antonio Brown, but when you do something, there are consequences. I know he knows right from wrong. He needs to go see a head doctor. Not on, And he claims to be going to a therapist. Here's my issue. He needs to go to a medical doctor and get his head examined. Not being sarcastic. He actually needs to get his head x-rayed. There may be some damage up there that he may be able to get attended to and, and get treated for. Because, man, this guy is um, – his behavior – is 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 dangerous we talked about mental illness the other day delante west have anybody seen that a cop got suspended for uh filming him yes the thing even if he's got cte he still needs to be accountable for his actions that's my issue with that he knows right from wrong if i'm sick and I know that I'm sick. If I'm depressed, and I know I'm depressed, if I'm mentally not feeling right, I'm going to go get help. You see what I'm saying? Stop being a victim. Be accountable. I've read a lot of his social media stuff. He's like no white women in 2020, and everybody's out to get me and all that. It's everybody else's fault but Antonio's. Guys, young people. Take accountability. I've made some mistakes in my life, and I take full accountability for them. And that's the lesson learned here. I mean, this guy is going to be a fall from grace story. He's going to be a, a horrible warning. He's going to be one of those rags to riches, back to rag stories. And I just don't want to see that happen. I hope the guy can get it together, but he's got to take accountability and you know, you hate to see him hit rock bottom, but you can see where this is going. It's one thing after another. And here's the thing. I read this last year on Sportscope and a long Sports Illustrated uh, uh, write-up on Tony Brown. He also makes a habit of trying of not paying people for services. He makes a habit of stiffing people. And that's another thing that really annoys me about this guy. But either way, it's the best thing to make Nate out of hat. And, you know, the uh, Idle Minds of Devil's Workshop. You know, he's not playing football right now. He's not on his regimen, his routine, his itinerary. He's got to get to a head doctor, get his head actually examined to see if there's any damage up there. And he's got to go back to his shrink and get his life together. And most, most certainly, I hope he does, okay? Uh, that is all I have to say about Antonio Brown, the guy, not to be sounding selfish, but he, he makes my job a little easier because he gives me things to talk about even when I try not to talk about him. He thought the NFL would be stopped paying even if it wasn't there. Yeah. Jay Gruden. Okay. Uh, people like my dad think Jay Gruden's a fraud. Uh, he, he thinks he's way overrated. He's living off his brother's name. He is, uh, he's a loser. Uh, he, he's not going to pay out. He was high, uh, he was overrated with Washington. I disagree with my dad there. Uh, Jay Gruden, 
was hired to a team in Washington uh, that has been a disaster since uh, Daniel Snyder bought it 20 years ago, 21 years ago, 1999. Uh, yeah, no, that's what my dad says. You know, and, and my, I want to speak up for Jay right here. Uh, I did look at his record. He is 35 and 49 as a head coach. He did win the NFC East in his second season there. But you know what? If you guys look back farther with Jay Gruden, he he uh, had a had an excellent record with uh, Andy Dalton with Cincinnati. You know what? And he also won as Arena League coach with Orlando. And I was looking at some of the coaches that have been hired with Washington since Daniel Snyder uh, took over his ownership. And you guys won't believe this, but Joe Gibbs, for some of you younger listeners here, Joe Gibbs can be arguably the most successful coach in NFL history, even over Bill Belichick. Joe Gibbs, the former Washington Redskins coach, can be arguably considered the most successful coach in NFL history. Why? Because he won three Super Bowls with three separate quarterbacks. Uh, Doug Williams, first black quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. Joe Theismann uh, in the early 80s, a guy who actually uh, started over Joe Montana in college at Notre Dame and with Mark Ripken in 1990, beating the Buffalo Bills one of their three times. You know what Joe Gibbs' record? Joe Gibbs came out of retirement. Remember, he went into Joe Gibbs Racing, very successful uh, in the racing. Um, I think he owned a racing spot, uh, company or whatever. Uh Joe Gibbs was rehired and came out of retirement in 2004 with Washington under Dan Snyder. He was 30 and 32. NASCAR, yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, I think he had his own NASCAR brand or whatever, owned his own team. He was very successful in NASCAR. And, but Joe Gibbs, he went to the playoffs once in uh, 2005, but he... After four seasons, he re-retired with Washington at 30 and 32. Joe Gibbs, arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time before Daniel Snyder, was 30 and 32 with the Washington Redskins. And it, but that's like I said, he got he's he finished with nine and seven in 2007. He and and uh 2005, he, he finished 10 and 6. They won the NFC East. So my point is that you really can't go throw Jay Gruden under the bus. I looked at the quarterback player, Jay. We had a lot of Kirk Cousins, uh, a lot of injured, a lot of uh, Colt McCoy, Alex Smith being injured. Uh, didn't really get a good rap, Jay Gruden did, in Washington. So my point is I would give him another chance in Jacksonville. And if he is successful, I would give him another chance as a head coach uh, in the NFL. I know he was successful, very, very successful as a, uh, I know Arena League is different football and everything. I looked at what he did in uh, Cincinnati as a head coach there. So Jay Gruden, Jay Gruden's a good coach. I would say that. Uh, 
yeah, you have to have the right players around you. And remember what um, Daniel Snyder said, it was came out that he said that he didn't want, Jay Gruden didn't even want Dwayne Haskins, the Ohio State quarterback. Dwayne Haskins went to school with Jay Gruden, uh, with Daniel Snyder's son. You can never be successful in the league doing stuff like that. So I'm not sure about Ron Rivera. He's you know he's won deep, he's won Coach of the Year twice. Uh, went to the Super Bowl with Carolina. Uh, what are you gonna do? What What are you gonna do when you got a a owner that that says uh, you got to play the quarterback that my son went high school with? You know, so I'm just saying that to cut Jay Gruden some slack, everybody. So. Last but not least, other news stories. Eli Manning announces his retirement today. Eli uh, looks like he wasn't going to get another starting job. We know he was out in the, with the Giants. And I'll say this before I go into all his numbers. And, yes, I would put the Eli in first ballot Hall of Famer. I know that is not – that's another thing. I was talking to my dad today. He's saying – it's not a lock Eli's going to get into the Hall of Fame. Remember Tom Coughlin, talk about conservative, run the ball up the middle uh, on first down, run the ball to the left on second down. It's third and eight. Eli make a play, uh, incomplete pass. Uh, the other team gets the ball. Same thing, you're down 14 to 3, 21 to 3 in the second half. Eli, let's throw the football, okay? Let's let's just get back in the game. That is a lot of what Eli had to deal with. Now, I'll say this. Now, him and his father, Archie, they, um, they did work the NFL over to get out of going to the L.A. Chargers at the time to play for a worse organization, end up going to the Tom Kaufman's Giants. But it was one of the more conservative offenses in the NFL, okay? So, Phil Ace for the ESPN, he tweeted this out. This, uh, I think he announced his retirement was about 3 o'clock Central Time, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and he says, Eli's career achievements, uh, 57,023 passing yards. He's seventh all time, seventh in passing yards. Four-time Pro Bowler, never missed a game due to injury 13-time team captain, and last but not least, two Super Bowl winners and two Super Bowl MVPs. A lot of people doesn't realize that he won MVP in both of those Super Bowls. Every writer that I've ever listened to in my life, whether you're talking about Baseball Hall of Fame or Football Hall of Fame, can you tell the story of a time period in the NFL and leave Eli Manning's name off, okay? Exactly. You can't tell the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, New England Patriots story without including a former coach that come from the same coaching tree, Bill Belichick. Tom Kaufman came from Bill Parcells' coaching tree as well. And Eli Manning... Not only did he have big throws, we know about the great catch in the 2008 Super Bowl, 2006, to beat the undefeated Patriots. But what about the big throws 
that he made in the following Super Bowl in 2011 to Mario Manningham? What about the big throws in the playoffs that led to those Super Bowls uh, at uh, the San Francisco 49ers? The Jim Harbaugh coach 49ers, really good defense, coming down late. Uh, key red zone throws, bullet passes by Eli Manning to beat the Alex Smith-led uh, Jim Harbaugh 49er teams with Patrick Willis on them. Very good defenses. Remember how cold it was against Green Bay and uh, Brett Favre in Lambeau Field. Eli Manning pinpoint passes in that brutally cold weather. Beat them. Beat a really good 13-3 and Dallas Cowboys trail Owens-led team before that. Uh, that was the year that they did beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Barely lost week 17 game to that same Patriot team that was undefeated that they later beat in the Super Bowl. Uh, I know Eli Manning had his share of rough patches, to say the least, in the regular season. High Super Bowl or high uh, interceptions. Uh, for for long periods of time during the regular season, several games where they just play sluggish football. Uh, do some of that I put on Eli, but most of it was Tom Coughlin, his very conservative offense, running the ball a lot up the middle. Eli getting him behind early and often in games. Some of those giant teams. Uh, that being said, yeah, Eli not looked like a perennial all-pro or pro bowl of the last three or four years. I can give you that. Uh, the year they drafted Saquon Barkley, I thought they should have drafted maybe a Josh Allen or Sam Darnold or somebody like that instead of taking Daniel Jones this past year. That's history. I would not have taken Saquon Barkley. I would have took maybe a Josh Allen or somebody that year, um, maybe even a Sam Darnold. But that's just something I disagreed with the general manager there. But as far as Eli Manning, like you said, like I was saying, somebody said beat Tom Brady. Beat Brady twice, and, you know, you cannot tell the story. You cannot tell the story of the Patriots without mentioning Eli Manning. Uh, he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not the quarterback his brother was. We all get it. But I'll tell you what, in a bigger game, you take them both in their prime in the Super Bowl, probably going to take Eli Manning because he's very calm under pressure, always made the big throw, never got too high, never got too low. Um, like I said, seventh all-time. I did not know he was seventh all-time passing. Never missed a game due to injury. Never missed a game. And Eli Manning took some hits. Remember that uh, deep offensive line for the Giants wasn't the best offensive line in the world, did not have the best running game in the world. Uh, Eli was often behind in games. Yes, their defense did play well during those Super Bowl runs. But remember, one of those teams was a 9-7 and seven regular season team. This was not a yeah, sneaky good under the radar. Uh, he was overshadowed by his brother. Uh, remember, you had Tom Brady. You had Ben Roethlisberger. Also drafted around the same time Eli Manning was. So he is one of those guys. He's not a big personality, doesn't talk a lot, overshadowed even on his own teams. 
Remember uh, Jeremy Shockey, very loudmouth, boisterous guy, uh, Tiki Barber, opinionated, and then on overall, Michael Strahan. I mean, he just kind of just, he was a calm demeanor, very cool under fire, no pulse on this guy. Odell Beckham Jr., uh, I mean, yeah, Victor Cruz had a lot of personalities. The Eli had to meet uh, Ahmad Bradshaw, those guys. But you know what? Like I said, a lot of people don't agree with me. I got Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame. I mean, Dan Marino's in the Hall of Fame. No Super Bowl wins. Uh, a lot of people saying Phillip Rivers, you know, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, a guy like Drew Brees is better than Eli Manning. Well, let me tell you something. Drew Brees has got one Super Bowl. Uh, if Eli Manning had Sean Payton, don't you think with these, the uh, he's seventh all time with Tom Coughlin, don't you think his numbers would be really close, if not surpassing a guy like Drew Brees? You see what I'm saying? That's right. His actions did speak louder than his words. And quite frankly, I told this before, in a really big game, in a big moment, same amount of talent around him, I would take him over his brother. The big knock on Eli or Peyton Manning was he pressed too much in the big games. He overthought the situation. That's one thing I always like about a guy like Tom Brady in and in a, uh, John Elway. They never overthought the situation in the big game. They let the game come to them. They did not think. They just passed. They reacted. Same thing with Eli Manning. If you go back and watch everybody, I don't know about you all, I watch a lot of NFL uh, reruns of games. Eli Manning, not just in the Super Bowl. He had he probably had a better game in the second time that they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. But look at those playoff games getting up to the Super Bowl that kind of get uh, washed under the rug. Uh, your Green Bay Packer game, very cold Lambeau Field road games. San Francisco road game. They were the road warriors. They played better on the road than they did at home, believe it or not, the New York Giants under Eli Manning. So that is what I have to say about that. Uh, have you seen some patrons commercial work? Oh, I don't know, man. But hey, anyways, everybody, I really appreciate you all watching tonight. Speaking of commercial work and everything. If you guys want to advertise on SportsScope, contact me here at rbutler723. You can email me, sportsscope at gmail.com. You can look up uh, hashtag sportsscope. I'll be back on Friday. This is a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, around 11 p.m. Central Time program. If you like it, share the program. Been working a long time to get this program off the ground. Uh, about a full year into going from just one day a week to was five. Now I'm down to three because of my day job. I work 12 hours a day plus doing the courier work. So I would really appreciate if you guys would do that. Uh, like I said, looking for sponsorship. You could sponsor. Uh, I would basically do it for practically nothing just to get a little bit of income for this program here on SportsScope a growing program on uh, I get either way from 500 views to several thousand views on Twitter and Periscope alone. So have a good night, everybody. I will be back on Friday. We'll be discussing whatever's breaking in the 
wide world of sports.